Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com Featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith Not just a profile picture For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com And the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website Is ready to help single Catholics take the next step In sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics Remember, CatholicSingles.com For faith, fellowship, and love Welcome to the Catholic Minimalism Challenge. Today we're going to be talking about beginning with the end in mind. And I think that this is really important because as we gear up to do this challenge, we need to understand why we're doing it. If we don't have a clear sense of why, it's going to be difficult to make the right choices along the way. I really like this quote from C.S. Lewis. As long as this deliberate refusal to understand things from above, even where such understanding is possible, continues, it is idle to talk of any final victory over materialism. And what C.S. Lewis is saying is, first he's saying, we can't know everything, right, about heaven and eternity and God's plan. That's why he says where such understanding is possible. But there is understanding that is possible. And if we are deliberately refusing to seek that out and to to deeply understand it, then it's silly for us to talk about managing our finances, losing weight, having a different house, buying more stuff, getting rid of more stuff, anything that we talk about that is of the world that we feel is important. He's saying it's kind of ridiculous that we would even do that if we're not anchored to what we know for sure about eternity. And you see, all of us are going to die All of us are going to see Jesus in all of his glory, and he's going to say one of two things. He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, or he's going to say, depart from me, I do not know you. Of course, he knows all of us, but he means you didn't spend any time with me. We have no relationship, you and I. And you can see how easy it is to fall into that trap because we wake up and we take care of our kids, we go to work, we clean our homes, we have hobbies, we watch television, we get excited about football, like whatever it is, these loud things are in front of us and they feel so important and they feel so real that it's really easy to push Jesus into the background, to push him there and to say, I'll get to you later, Jesus. I think I'm doing okay by you, man. Okay, but a lot of us are not. We're actually not doing okay. And if we were to die right now, we would hang our head down and we would say, oh man, I really blew it. I continuously chose the world over you. Now, I don't pretend to know how this shakes out with Jesus, right? I I also know that he has an endless amount of mercy, but I know that in this mercy that he has, we have to ask for it. And nobody asks for mercy for a problem they don't think that they have. 
If you don't think that it's a problem that you schedule all of these appointments in your calendar, but you don't schedule time to pray, you don't go to adoration, you don't go to confession, you think you're doing all right, then you wouldn't ask Jesus for mercy at the end of the week that you spent 99% of your time self-absorbed and, you know, worrying about the ways of the world. And some of you are carrying extremely heavy crosses. Some of you are struggling with illness, with poverty, with some crazy family members, not wrapping your mind around natural family planning. Some of you have lost your job. Some of you are busting out of the seams of your tiny house. Some of you bought a gigantic house and now you realize you can't afford it. These are real things, okay? But if you spend so much time looking at spreadsheets and you know reading internet articles about how to save yourself but you're not talking to God, you need to get to the end of the week and you need to say, God, I'm sorry. Have mercy on me. Right? He asks us to repent and believe in the gospel. And that is what you need to do. We are not of this world. And that is so difficult for our tiny little human brains to understand. I don't even understand it. Because I wake up and I feel this desk and I feel my clothes, and I hug my children, and I see my bank account, and all of that feels really real to me. But I was made for the Garden of Eden. I was made for heaven and eternity with God the Father. And that is a difficult thing to understand, but we must try. We are not of this world. And we must love nothing more than God. And I think that's something we'll spend our whole lives working on because, you know, for those of us who are married or have children or have wonderful, you know, siblings or even really close friendships, it's, it's hard to wrap our mind around loving God more than these people that we can hug or loving God more than we love our own safety. So many of us are just fighting for safety, right? And security and stability and we want that so desperately that we've made an idol out of it. We want stability more than we want God. And I feel very blessed that my husband and I both came from hoarders. And I talk about this in my book. Um, you know, I came from what I like to call a fancy hoarder. Somebody that hoarded things in pristine boxes. Her house was always immaculately clean. Um, and... But if you went upstairs, you couldn't open any of the rooms because they were piled literally from from floor to ceiling with boxes of Barbie dolls and porcelain dolls and Beanie Babies and Fabergé eggs and carpets. She had tons of rolled up carpets that were in these rooms too. And, and it was just a sickness. It was a sickness that she had. She felt like she was her stuff. She couldn't get rid of it. She could no sooner get rid of one of those rugs than cut off a finger. She felt like it was part of her body. And that's, hoarding is a real sickness, you guys. You can't reason with someone who's a hoarder. They, they absolutely just need clinical help. Um, you know, a lot of you may know someone like that. Some of you may be struggling with that. It is a really complex condition. It's a delicate condition, too, because... The hoarder does not see it clearly. But, you know, I, I watched my grandmother live that way, and then she passed away two years ago, and 
my family had to clean out her house. And it was just, you know, she actually had a really great job and made lots of money and she just blew it. She blew it all on stuff. She died with very little money and she was skinny and had an amazing wardrobe from Nordstrom and she didn't get to enjoy it. And it just didn't matter in the end. And I know that she she thought she was doing it for her children. She thought she would save all of this stuff and it would be an investment for them, that the Barbie dolls would be worth so much money. She thought that she was helping them, but instead she just spent all the money and there wasn't money for them. On the other hand, my husband had one of those uh, hoarders that you see on the television shows where there was just trash everywhere. It was gross. Um, they had 12 upright freezers in their garage that were completely frozen shut. They had to rip them open with crowbars and all they saw when they opened them were these like little baggies sticking out of all of the food that they had hoarded. And the problem is they would hoard trash, but they would also hoard valuable coins mixed in with the trash. Um, and so it was just this nightmare of an experience for him and his family to go through all of that stuff. And so I'm very blessed that we have these two stories and that, you know, we back each other up so much on not wanting to be like that and being intentional about what we own. Uh, but the truth is we're still just kind of cushy Americans, right? And we still just have the problem that we can just buy whatever we want and put it in our house. And so I'm still surprised with how much stuff we have, even though we come from these stories and we're so intentional about it. I feel like I'd give myself like a solid C plus on doing that right now. Um, so it is something that we could do better. And that's one of the reasons I created this program. It's important that we understand we can't take anything with us. Just really sit with that. Just, just process that. Even if you have a wonderful and long life, you cannot take anything with you. And it is very likely your children will not want your stuff. We are not really sentimental that much as a society anymore. We don't have nice enough furniture or clothes or even dolls to pass on. Okay, we use them, we throw them in the trash. And that's terrible, but it is where we're at right now. Okay, so whatever you're saving that you think your children are just going to love, I want you to really challenge yourself on that. I have a few things that I think my children would love, uh, but I'm not going to be sad when I picture them giving it to Salvation Army right when I die. I don't get to control what they choose, okay? Um, you know, I know a lot of you don't have children, but I think this is such an easy lens with which to view our stuff. If it's not your children, who's going to be going through your stuff? Where is it going to end up? Who's going to want it? Are you taking care of it enough so that it will be useful? These are all some good questions that we can ask ourselves about being good stewards of what we own. Let us go forth in this challenge and live with intention. Let us live for Christ and Christ alone. And it is okay to say, Jesus, I want to live for you and just you, and I have no idea how to do that. I'm going to try really hard to do that today, and I'm probably going to screw it up. I'm going to try really hard to do that tomorrow and the next day. Jesus does not ask us to be perfect. He asks us to be obedient and he asks us to repent when we are not. And he has an endless amount of mercy if we would just ask. And I love when I read St. Faustina's diary, she says to Jesus, can I ask for the mercy that other people don't ask? And she's worried about asking this question because she doesn't want to seem greedy. 
right? And he says, of course, my child, you are so faithful in what you do that I will give you the mercy of those that don't even think to ask for it. So I want to invite you to ask Jesus for the same thing. Lord, give me mercy for all of the things that I'm not doing that I know that I should do. And if you've got some extra mercy laying around Jesus, I know I could use it. Just wash me with it. Help me to make good choices. And he's always faithful in that. All right, you guys. Thanks so much for being part of this challenge. I'm really looking forward to getting in with you. It's going to be so great. And you are going to feel so free at the end of it. I will pray for you. You please pray for me and have a blessed day.